Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you for clicking on the Just Another Football podcast. If you want to share it with your friends, feel free. And if anyone wants to come on the podcast, uh, if you're a fan of a certain club, get on contact with our Twitter, which is at JustFootballPod, and we may be able to get you on. My god everyone, get the fuck off Twitter. Liverpool got a jammy win against Tottenham and they're unfucking bearable. <laughs> Delete block them all, mute every mute the words Liverpool, mute the words Salah, mute the words title, and get them all off. But make sure you don't mute just another football podcast. How's it going everyone? Two in a week, you must count yourself lucky. How are you, Harry? Um slightly more upbeat after the last one, mate. I mean, not too bad. Um, an interesting uh, midweek fixture, isn't that? It is. Amazon Prime uh, week. Delivered. It did delivered. Deliver. Yeah. Delivered. Which is great to see. Yeah. And it was... Um, because This is the issue I always find when it comes to like Christmas. Games come around so quickly, I haven't had enough time to think about what's actually happened. Whereas if you get like a week, you're normally a bit more like... You have like time to spew over what happened. But because the game yeah. so quickly, it's so like, yeah. oh, Liverpool won. Uh, oh, uh, Arsenal got a point against Southampton. Oh, you know. So... Yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it's been it's, it's one of it's that time of year where everything comes quickly. And it is that time of year. And I tell you what, things Firmino really delivered a present for Liverpool fans because it did. As much as I actually think Harry Kane probably had his worst game this season, um, mm. Liverpool. I don't actually. I don't think Liverpool are that good either. For these to be the two main contenders for the title demonstrates how poor the league is this year. Like, <laughs> that's a hot take and a half. But well, yeah, no, I just I just watched the game and I just thought this just feels a bit shit. Like, I thought Henderson, Henderson and Jamie Wijnaldum did nothing this game. I'll be honest. Uh, Henderson was, it was run five yards, sideways pass, run five yards, sideways pass. Jamie Wijnaldum would either lose the ball, make make a stupid tackle, and concede a foul or attempt to dribble, and that was it. And when you look at Liverpool, and you just go, okay, they've got lots of injuries this year, and there's key players they have to rely on. I'm sure lots of them would have said, Wijnaldum, Henderson, would be two of them names. And mm. for them to put in a performance like that, as much as they got a win, they had to rely on the look, a really lucky loop from the Salah hit. They had to rely on Kane just heading it straight into the ground from five yards. They had to rely on Bergwijn missing a good chance, although I thought Alisson did really well with that one. And they had to rely on um, Kane not jumping for the uh, for the corner and, and for Toby Alderweireld to lose his man. And it was just a bit like I, I don't know how you can get lucky so often. And then it feels like that's, they rely on luck like, like with performances like they put on against Tottenham. What were your thoughts? Wow. Is that the hot take this week? It must be because, you know. Did you have to just get that one off your chest? Yeah. Um, what did I make of the game? I'm not quite as scathing of Liverpool maybe as you are. I thought that the way they set up, you know, to, to basically counter-press Tottenham as they always seem to do against teams. Uh, it, I mean, you'd probably say it worked in terms of how much of the ball they had. I mean, they had 75% of the ball completed like four times as many passes as Tottenham. Um, they had more shots, more shots on target. 
however, I don't think anyone could argue Tottenham had the better chances in the game. I mean, as you said, the the, the opening came from a, a sort of a freak deflection for, from Salah. And then, obviously, the, the, the corner, you know, goals happen from corners. It's a really good header, but there were more presentable chances for Tottenham in the game. I mean, nothing about Tottenham's performance surprised me in the slightest, the way they set up. Mourinho's always done this, not just at Tottenham either. It's essentially just kind of like stay in the game as long as possible. They actually said it on the commentary after after Salah scored, and they, they scored shortly after us, but they... You know, they were saying, it, "It does the game plan change from here for Tottenham?" And I thought, "Well, no." And they said, "No." In fairness, the the, the co-commentator, I don't remember who it was, but said, "Mourinho and, and and Tottenham, nothing changes. It's all about trying to stay in the game uh, for as long as possible." You know, I think if they'd got to the last fifteen minutes at one nil down, they'd have been happy with that. As it was, they equalised quite quickly. There, you got to give them credit. They're very precise on the counter attack. And when I watch, you know, certain teams, it's all right being a counter-attacking side, but ultimately, if you don't have players that are on the same wavelength, you know, when you when you're building those counter-attacks and the passes aren't precise and the movement isn't incisive off the ball, then it's no good trying to play that way because the attacks are just going to break down. Um, in terms of Liverpool, I mean, as you said, they've got a lot of injuries. I think it is difficult to. It's difficult to legislate for you know some of some of the injuries they've had. I mean, you know, Thiago would be playing in midfield. You'd feel um, Gomez and Van Dijk at the back. Even Matip, Matip would would have played over Reese Williams. They've got a holding midfielder playing as a sort of a, a fill-in centre back. Although I do think he's done well there. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that Tottenham had chances in the game. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I, I think XG would suggest Tottenham had the better chances. Um, the more presentable ones but in terms of who deserved to win the game I mean it kind of depends how you look at it I suppose do you look at it in terms of Tottenham had the better chances and they didn't take them so they deserve to win or do you look at it as Liverpool had the better openings in terms of they had the ball a lot more they they got in behind a lot more maybe that final pass wasn't quite there but they were the team that was maybe you'd say more like proactive in trying to win it Whereas Tottenham, you feel... Tottenham definitely would have taken a point. Yeah, and I don't right. care how Mourinho wants to dress it up after the game. Tottenham would have taken a point. And it's a good point. Any point at Anfield's a good point, whoever you are. If you're going for a title, if you're fighting relegation, it's a good if, point. If you're, playing, if you're playing in the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just... It's a difficult game to assess, I suppose, because nothing about it really surprised me in truth that Liverpool had a lot of the ball they played their usual style although they maybe weren't quite as aggressive and you know uh, uh, they didn't dominate the game as much as maybe they would have had they had a couple of the the players that are injured in there because I do think when you have you know the two centre backs they have and you sort of have uh, Thiago as maybe the fulcrum of it all in midfield it is easier to just control the game control possession play that high press um and they still did it, but obviously Tottenham got in behind and scored a good goal, you know, on a breakaway. And that that was, I, I think that's kind of maybe what made them think twice about pressing as high up the pitch at certain points. Also something I didn't get, Liverpool fans complained. I'm not just attacking Liverpool fans. I'm sure every other fan would have done it. But mm. Liverpool fans complained that the VAR didn't take long enough. And I was like, mm. what? I, I, it's I'm difficult, not... isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I think the problem is... With, with the offsides, you just have to look at it as it's... 
you can't, you have to just accept it, I suppose. It's a bit like goal line technology. Now, the difference between the offsides and the goal line technology is obviously goal line technology is just a line. It's drawn there, and if the ball's over it, the technology will tell you. The issue with the with the uh, offsides is, in theory, it should be the same. But the the problem you've got is you've got three moving parts. So obviously, you've got when the ball is played, and then when the ball is played, you've got when the attackers run and when the defenders run. And, you know, some of the offsides that have been given have been really, really dodgy. But do you want goals taken out for offsides like that? I, I, I don't, personally. I think we've been far too yeah. far, far too stringent with it. So it, the problem is, I suppose, with Liverpool fans, they've had a few go against them. You know, you think of the, the Mane goal against Everton, for example. There was one last season, I think, against Aston Villa, which was a bit of a dodgy offside. And I think, in truth, because when that happens your natural reaction is you want everything of the same ilk to be ruled offside, whether it's yeah. right or not, whether you agree with it or not, you, you want that consistency. So, you know, I can see why they're upset about it, but I think it's one of those, you just got to trust the technology that, that's being used at the time, you know? I agree. I just, so, okay, so Liverpool fans also said, why aren't the two lines being drawn? It's because the furthest point for Son was his left foot, whereas they, do, they only do the lines if it's for the arm or if it's for the shoulder. Yeah. To so, calibrate it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why. So that the RPR's argument would be, the, the, for those three moving parts, you have, we have one line, we pause it at the point, we have one line for the defender and one line for the attacker, and then we see which line's further across. Mm. And to be honest, Liverpool fans last year, everyone said they were called Liverpool because um, and they had everything going for them. I remember the game against Wolves where they had an offside, which was just literally just a toe. So... It's one of those, it, it, honestly, like you can make, you know, I know people like to joke about Liverpool or, you know, the number of penalties that Man United get maybe, but VAR will help and hinder teams at various different points. It's there to be sort of clinical in its decision making. Now, it isn't always foolproof. It makes mistakes. You'll feel like you've been harshly treated, but to, to suggest there's some sort of like inherent bias uh, I think is an extremely strong accusation to make. I just think it's one of those things where poor decisions are made by officials. Yeah. And obviously some teams are going to get the rub of the green. Like, o- over a longer period of time, maybe a few seasons, it evens itself out. You might for like over a season, you get some poor decisions. I mean, all I would say with Liverpool fans, I know they were you know, very, very, very unhappy with a penalty that was given against them a couple of weeks ago against Brighton. And I sort of think, well, you know, there was a similar incident with uh, Salah against West Ham at Anfield, and I really didn't see many complaints, you know, back then about it. So I it's just think just, that football fans are very hypocritical. They're football <laughs> fans. That's what it is, Bob. I, we're all guilty of it. Where you know you remember the decisions that go against your team, right? But you don't remember the ones that have gone for you, yeah. if that makes sense. So it, it's one of those things where it didn't impact the end. They won the game. Klopp was obviously unhappy about it, which he said after the game. Um, but, it, I mean, it didn't cost them in the end. So, in the wider context of things, it's not a huge issue. Yeah, the, the, another thing that confused me about the game was Klopp used no subs um, for a guy that's petitioning to have five mm. subs in the game. Well, I think, it, it's interesting you mentioned that, I think that, it, it's, it's funny he made no I think there's a reluctance, definitely, and I've observed it from some of the Arsenal matches I've seen and when we certain opposition we've played, to use that third substitution especially. Now, I'm not saying not use any, but when you get to that third one and it's sort of like 10 minutes to go, normally you might just like put, put your third sub on and go, that's it. I think the problem with managers at the moment is they there, there generally is a feeling around football at the moment that 
injuries are like more prominent. So I think they're like there's thirty percent more injuries at this point than there was last season. So I think managers are reluctant to make that last change as early, which is why I think they're lobbying for five substitutes because it gives gives you a bit more leeway in terms of if you pick up an injury and you've made your third sub, obviously you'd have one or two more. Um, in terms of making no substitutes, yeah, it was a weird one that. Yeah, I also I also think I think I saw a graph somewhere that was the just uh, just injuries throughout the game. There was no spike at eighty minutes. I'm pretty sure, so that mm. would kind of go against that idea as well. But it, I mean, the data might not support it. I just think there's a general feeling around at the moment, which is that there's a reluctance to certainly make substitutions too early because you, you feel like there could be an injury at any point. Yeah, and you can go down to ten, ten men like Arsenal do every week. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, no. So I, where does where does where does each team go from here? I think uh, Mourinho will probably bitch and moan, and then realise, oh, God, mm. we've got a really easy run for the next six games. So we'll probably just you know. Play it's a it's a weird one with Spurs because you know I remember when we had Goose on the podcast and he said it would be really good to take from the five games they had to take ten points. I think he said, yeah, which was three wins, a draw, and a loss. So they haven't taken five, they've uh, not taken ten, they've taken eight. And I think when you look back at that run, they've won the two home games. So they beat us, they beat Man City. They drew to Chelsea, which you'd say at the time was fine. It was a good point. Uh, the bad the bad result was the Crystal Palace one. Yeah. Palace are an awkward team, but I just think the way the game panned out, as I said on the on the last podcast, I'm very critical of the way they, they were just passive for about 40 minutes between when they scored and when Palace scored. And I just thought that, that game was there for the taking. I think I think a really a, a team that's really confident in the way they're playing in terms of like on the front foot, like a Liverpool or a Man City when they're at best a couple of seasons ago. I think they just kill that game off before like the, the hour mark. Whereas Tottenham, they got their goal, and then it was like, okay, well we we're in the position we want to be now. Let's let them play. So I think when you're assessing it from a Tottenham point of view, who have they got this weekend? Like, they've got Leicester, haven't they? Yes. So you say easy. I mean, I think it'd be interesting. Like difficult game. They've got. I know they've got Leicester and Wolves, haven't they? In the next two games, I think. And then you're right; it gets a bit easier. I'm just interested to see how they play in some of these games where, like, I don't think Leicester are going to come flying at them, especially the game last season. If you remember it, after lockdown, where Tottenham pretty much got them on the counter attack three times before half time and beat them three 0 I think Leicester will set up in a similar way to the way they did against us, Uh, the way they did against Man City, where. Yeah, exactly. So I think the I think the onus will really be on Tottenham to take the game to to Leicester, and Leicester will hit on the counter attack with Vardy and sort of you know Tielemans and Madison trying to put him in behind. And I just think that it'd be interesting to see how they manage a game like that. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto predictions later on, but where do Tottenham go from here? You know, I, I, I don't want to talk positively about them, but if you go to Anfield and you lose in the 90th minute. You can't beat yourself up about it too much. It's yeah. a very, very difficult place to go. I mean, one team got a point there last season. So, and no, and no one has so far this season. It's a very difficult away game. They've been playing well at home. They've had a couple of good wins recently. And they were just fresh off a really poor performance against Fulham. There was always going to be a reaction, I thought. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'll be interested to see where Tottenham are, you know, five, ten games down the line. But um, I'm a bit concerned. I'm not as concerned as I was maybe a couple yeah, of games ago, no. but um, yeah. Uh, what about Liverpool? I, I I can see Liverpool. It's just weird this season. Liverpool. I, I can't really I mean, work them out. It's, it's theirs to lose, isn't it? It's got to be theirs to lose. I definitely think they're favourites. I definitely because I just think that the performances they're capable of 
in terms of you know like when they beat Leicester or when they beat Wolves, a couple of their good performances, or when they beat other they beat us, they were really good. I think that no other team in the league is capable of playing like that. And I'm sure we're going to get onto a couple of other teams that are going well at the moment. But in terms of the way they can control a game for large parts of it, create chances constantly, um, score lots of goals, I just think that not a lot of teams in the division are capable of reaching the heights they are. It doesn't mean they're going to do it on a consistent basis. And it doesn't mean the bar is going to be set that high. But I, in terms of you saying it's theirs to lose, I certainly think that when you look at the performances they're capable of, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I also think teams like Chelsea have just been, you know, I was. Well, at... we'll get on to talk about Chelsea, I'm sure, yeah, sure, but I just think that I, I, I just think you're right. It's Liverpool's to lose that you know, um, and. I, fuck, I hope they win it. Good God, looking at some of the other sides up God, there. No. Imagine, I, I could make a lot more peace their, with them winning it. But imagine their fan base. Imagine Twitter. I'm fine with that. I actually don't. I know you said about Liverpool fans on Twitter. I, to yeah. be honest, they're, 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 we're, we're, we've been an Arsenal fan. They're probably one of the fan bases you have like the least interactions with. Because there's a massive like Man United Arsenal clash on Twitter. Tottenham and Chelsea are London rivals. Um, and we just don't like Man City. I don't think anyone likes no, God, Man no. City. Do no, you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember. God, no one, no one, no one should like Man City either. You're not mm. allowed to, in my eyes. To no. Man. So as, as much as I don't want this to turn into like a Liverpool love fest, I, I sort of look at it and I think, yeah, maybe some of their fans are a bit annoying at times, but they're they're a proper club that's just done things well. Yeah. You know, like you can't actually begrudge them for it. It's not like they're Man City or they're Chelsea where they just essentially won the lottery with their ownership, for example. I just think they're a really, you know, they're they're a proper club and they've got a really good manager and they've just backed him and they've done a really good job in the last five years and I, and I can't begrudge them for that. So it's interesting to say that because I've got, like the Man United fans, I, the Man United fans I know are really nice people. So I actually have quite a soft spot for Man United. So it's interesting. I think, I think that often disperses by mm. fans' views of like how likeable the, the people are that they associate yeah. with. Yeah, it, it does, it does. It definitely does. It uh, definitely does. So yeah, speaking of Man United, uh, Man United v Sheffield United was a, a weird, another weird game of just goalkeeper mistakes. Uh, I mean, Ramsdale's struggling this season. It was. But Henderson, I just thought poor. It was. It was. Yeah, it was weird. He was so good for Sheffield United, and it and his. What was weird was on that second goal. What is what he was so good for Sheffield United for was coming and claiming crosses like that. Mm. But then he kind of because he didn't go. So Lindelof wins the header, it bounces off uh, McGoldrick and then goes in. But Henderson kind of like lets it go in, and it's kind of just—it was a weird game. I mean, Man United got three points uh, when they went one nil down. I thought this is all of our predictions about how they 100 percent away record going in the bin. But uh, yeah. I, I thought it was a classic Oli Gunnar Solskjaer Man United performance where they transitioned quickly, they worked well, and they caught a team of Sheffield United that. Just lo- lost in that in the, in the way they press yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, I, I I wonder if it's no fans and like the fans would urge them on to press mm. more and work to the final whistle. But when yeah, you, when you watch them press compared to when you watch them press twelve months ago, it was they 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 see a centre back and they trigger. I agree. And go. I agree with but that. Now, but now maybe it's like well, I'll just calm that down because he's worried about injuries and worried about the thin squad. But it it doesn't look have that same impetus. It, it, they're like leads leads. This year, well, like Sheffield United last year, where they it's ultra high press, they're going to go for you, but they're going to let let really high percentage shot, shots go against you. Now it's just like they just lose that impetus. So when 
when you do get really, yeah. I say lucky, when you do really well to get a corner, uh, a couple of goals against a team like Man United, you need your defensive press to be there to make sure that you yeah. win the game 2-0 or 2-1. Mm. Lose it 3-2. But then, you know, yeah. Rash, Rash, Rashford looks really good and uh, he, he looks like a player. Martial, good to get a goal, I think. Is that his first goal of the season? They'll be in the first goal in the league. So, uh, if Man United, which to be fair, if they win their game in hand, they go above Tottenham. Mm. Of um, if they can push for a title, I mean, people would. I I I don't think they can either. But well, I, let's I, talk about it. Let's sure. talk about it. So, so the reason the reason I don't think people think Man United can win a title is because of Andy Gunnar Solskjaer. Whereas I think it's because they they don't have a strong enough DM to help protect that defense and have the defense that they had last year. So I actually think that this like quick transition they've got going this season as it is really well fit to do well in this league. And if you were to ask uh, lots of people what what's the like identity of this Oli team, I think they'd say about like using that pace and using that quick transition and then using players like Pogba and Bruno to distribute quickly. Mm. And then using Maguire's passing ability to try and get it to those people to beat the press that you normally see with like Brian and teams like that. So I I, I, I don't want to say they're title challenges because I don't like building Man United up because I feel like they're just going to knock me down. Mm. But they are... They're, win, they're winning the game in moments, but they've got players of the ability that can. That's what I was going to say, yeah. So I think if you're assessing them on, on this season so far, I, I would ask you, how many good performances for 90 minutes do you think they've put in? I'd say one in every two, I'd actually say, to be honest. Did you go as far as that? So if you go through the games they've won this season, they beat Brighton. And they, were re- they were really lucky to beat Brighton. They beat Newcastle, which by all accounts, they I didn't actually see that game, but by all accounts, they were pretty good. Although they did win it in the last five minutes. They scored yeah. three goals. So, you know, maybe it's one of those, you wear them down and you kind of get your reward late in the game. It kind of sounded like that. Um, um, first, first they, they, weren't, they weren't good against Crystal Palace. They were not. No, they, well, they lost, didn't they? But I'm thinking about the games they've won. Obviously, the oh, games right. they've lost and drawn, um, they've been poor in. Chelsea, they beat... they were, Chelsea they were Yeah, Chelsea, they, they, they were happy to take a point. I think both teams were. Man United um, probably a bit more proactive. I think the, the, the game that, you know, stands out to me, the only game they've really played well in this season, I think, was Everton away. Yeah. I thought they were really quite good. But I also think part of that is, I actually think the players like playing for Oli. I, I, I do genuinely believe, I don't think it's a case of he hasn't got them on board. Because every time his job comes under threat, they pull it out the fire for him. I just question whether he's got the sort of nous and 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 he's savvy enough to kind of get some of these wins in some of these games because, you know, when I look at them, I just I don't you know when you talk about a, a way they have of playing, I agree they're good in transition. It's why they're getting wins away from home, and and I think they'll continue to get wins away from home, but. You know, I, I just, I, I don't quite see it. For 90 minutes, I don't see quite see a game plan from them in yeah, terms of, okay, we're going to start the game. Like, like, they start games really slowly. Like, this season, even the games they're winning away from it, like even Everton, I say Everton was a good performance. They were 1-0 down. Yeah. They're 1-0 down. They've I've gone 1-0 been... down in every single away game this season. Yeah. And they keep coming back and winning them, but it does catch up with you, you know? When yeah. you come up against a really good team, like they did against Leipzig in the Champions League, they lost that game in the first 15 minutes by being 2-0 down. Yeah. And it's one of those, it's not sustainable to keep going behind. Now, you could argue, the argument could also be that 
they're not playing well, but they're getting results. So when they start playing well, then everyone fucking look out. But it kind of doesn't generally work like that in football, certainly from what I've experienced anyway. Like everyone would say that with Arsenal, oh, they're playing rubbish, they're playing rubbish. I but remember, wait till they start playing well. And we never would. I remember when Emery had that. You, you weren't yeah. playing well, but you were No, no, we didn't. In that 23 game unbeaten run or whatever the hell it was, it was like they're not playing well. But what's a really good sign is they're grounding out results. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that the underlying metrics are really concerning and that actually it isn't sustainable. And it's a bit like that with United this season. Like they have probably six or seven more points than maybe they should do based on some of the games they've had. If you think about them, like they should have lost to Brighton. I think they were mightily lucky not to be well out of the game against West Ham. I think that, you know, against Chelsea, they were good, but Maguire could have given away a penalty. You know, certain things at certain times have, you know, have gone their way, I think. And I think going forwards... They've got good players there. They've definitely got good players there. They're going to be in and around the top four just because of the individual quality they've got. I think for them to be challenging for a title, you are right in some of, you know, when you when you talk about some of the personnel they need, it, it, I do think they need another centre-half. I, I, I just don't think that as a pairing is very good. I, they definitely need a defensive midfielder, but having a centre-half, you know, it, it's kind of like which ones you value more, I suppose. I, I mean... I'd also, I just don't I'd also think... say maybe a winger because Mason Greenwood hasn't hit. Yeah, right winger. He's not a winger. Well, Greenwood's a really good player, but he's also very it's kind of like he's playing in the wrong position, and it's kind of like if he doesn't score, he doesn't do a lot else. And he's really good at like if a chance falls to him, he'll score. He's very clinical, and you kind of want end product at a young age. But he is also young, and so games are going to pass him by. Like I feel like every time they play a big team, he's not really in the game at the moment. And I, and I agree with you in terms of getting a right winger, just someone that, you know, in some of these big away games or at home when they need someone to just make the difference, isn't isn't going to be completely like out of the game. So I'll tell you what, though, if they signed Sancho, then I would have reconsidered. Um, yeah, I just think they missed the chance to get Sancho last summer, to be honest. I think it's one of those where it was there, the opportunity was there last summer. Um, they didn't get it done. And I wonder if that was their chance to, to do it and it sort of passed them by, you know. But I do think they need to strengthen in that position. Yeah, no, I, that's what I think will limit Man United this year. Not their, not the manager. Well, maybe the manager, but not like someone like I Chelsea. Think it, where... I think if 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 the points tally was going to be ninety to a hundred points again, you'd say the manager is also a limiting factor. I still think he is, but you'd say it with certainty because I just do not think he's going to get enough points to compete in that sort of title race. If the points tally's lower and it's sort of like, you know, low to mid 80s, you could argue that if things go his way, he could get them there. Yeah, no, I see that. And I think Sheffield United is a relegation. Sheffield United are in the air, they're gone, aren't they? It's interesting you mention about their their high press because I remember when we played them last season, it would have been like last January and I was at the game and what really struck me about them was... The, the, how good they were at limiting our options on the ball. So in terms of like when they would push up the pitch and press us, they were really good at cutting passing lanes. And I just look at them now and they look really easy to play through. Like the first goal Man United score, it's, it's a ball over the top of the midfield and the defence. And it's a really good touch, obviously, by Rashford and a good finish. But it's so easy. And I think in them last season, they weren't easy to play against, you know. And now you wouldn't you wouldn't say they've got the quality and they, they didn't have great individual quality last season, but they were really competitive in games. And I just don't see the same level of competitiveness this season with them. 
and the quality isn't quite there. If you, as you said, if you score two goals at home to Man United, you you should be taking at least a point. But unfortunately, if you let three in at the other end, you can't expect to take anything. So, I think the one thing, the one positive of your Sheffield United fan though is that they haven't done like a Villa where they've turned the squad over, given they've got loads of new players that come in. Massive no, 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 no. They'll they'll be in a good position if they go down. They're not going to be in financial turmoil because of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think that... one, of the, one of the best teams to go down. That's the thing. It's a bit like Norwich last season when Norwich went down. Everyone thought, well, they're in a good position to come back up again. Even if it didn't work out, they've got young players that they could sell, and they they were financially in a good position to compete again. And, and they're top of the championship now. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's not looking good for Sheffield United at this moment in time. But I think they'll stick with him. Talking of uh, relegation, we're mm. for the third. So normally every week we're going to do two games, then uh, uh, a general point about football. And the one this week is how to avoid getting relegated. Easier said than done, of course. But what I think when I hear teams that are struggling, especially with now West Brom have got Sam Allardyce in that, people mm. see that as an option. I think it's a bit high risk, especially long term. But he's not a long-term option. No, and, and never. Lots of, and lots of teams, I think, except for Crystal Palace, that he's had, have actually gone down years after. I think Sunderland. Um, so that brings up the question: What do you do? And I think you've just got to. What it's about is building a defence. I think people will say, and you hear this all the time in matches and stuff like that: a striker will keep you up. A striker will keep you up. If you, so many times do we see uh, a good striker come in, get ten to twelve goals in the league, but the team still go down because. They can't defend for shit. Think of that Fulham team two years ago where they conceded 70 goals. Mm. Ridiculous. So, first thing is, if your club is, do you, do you want to go down? And no one wants to go down, of course, like that. But there's some teams that have to do everything they can to avoid it. If Villa, if Villa went down last year, they were in shit. Even if they sold Grealish, they had players on massive wages. Whereas someone like a Bournemouth, because they've got... Because they've, um, I'd imagine that lots of their players, except from Wilson, Fraser, they that go on a free, but they were on big wages. But most of the team doesn't scream to me. They're not on massive wages, and that's why they could keep a lot of them. Uh, so that's maybe that's that'd be my first question. My second question would be, what kind of style have you got? Because I don't think you can differentiate too far away from that. You think that uh, De Boer when he came in at Crystal Palace after Allardyce, then that was a, such a style switch that they lost six games. It was terrible. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, th- I just think if you're, that's that'd be my approach to getting relegated of understanding how you're going to play, and trying to like build on that and build success. I think, Harry, my question would be to you: Would would you sign anyone in January if you were in that in that conversation? I think the key to avoiding relegation, as you mentioned, having a style. I think honestly, you you don't have that luxury. It's all about getting the best out of the players you have at your disposal. And I think you've just got to work with what you've got there. Because as you said, if you come in and you start trying to implement new ideas, well, that's great and all if you're trying to, you know, if you're looking at a five-year plan. But if you just come in and you have all these great ideas and you go, yeah, but we're going to be good in six months. Well, you could be down in six months. So if you're coming in mid-season and looking to avoid relegation, I, I, I do agree with regards to, you know, the, the foundations for teams uh battling relegation and trying to stay up is being hard to beat and being hard to beat involves not conceding a lot of goals especially not cheap goals Sheffield United last season the reason they are where they are now is because they're so much looser at the back 
You know, they're leaky. That's the problem with them. They're leaky, so they're conceding two, three goals every single game. Whereas last season, they'd keep clean sheets, they'd concede one goal in some of these games. And it's really hard to win games as a relegation team if you concede in two or three a game. I don't care who you've got at the top end of the pitch. So I think the foundations for it have to be built on uh, solidity and structure. I think you do need to be pragmatic with what you've got at your disposal. So it's all good having a lot of, you know convoluted ideas but if you don't have the players to execute it you're not going to get the time you know it's cutthroat with, with these teams at the bottom you've seen Slavin Bilic lose his job after getting a draw against Man City you know because they're looking longer term they're thinking is he going to be the guy to keep us up this season so you know it's difficult for me because obviously I mean look maybe I'll be watching Arsenal in a relegation fight this season but I've never really seen a squad you know in my time have to have to battle it and hopefully I never do but it, yeah if it was me you know you, you can't expect suddenly to start thrashing teams and scoring loads of goals which is why I think a lot of teams you know I, they do go for someone like Sam Allardyce because he's just so tailored for, for that sort of job you know I, I remember Ellen Coyle doing a terrible job with us because that, that was our approach we went out and we thought we've got Kevin Davis we've got Mark Davis we've got Matt yeah. Taylor, we've got all this talent We'll go out. And we'll just battle teams, and we'll just beat teams. Mm. And it, and we beat. I mean, either beat like first game of the season, we beat QPR five nil. But when it comes to, you know, January, and you're just losing every game, and yeah. you, you, you're conceding four goals, and you've got mistakes at the back. But Sheffield United. So Sheffield United this season conceded twenty four goals. Last season they conceded thirty nine the entire season. And. They're, that's the fourth best in the league, and they only they only, yeah. they only scored thirty nine goals as well. That was the thing. It was a lot of tight games, but if you you mentioned that the the, the structure was built on their solidity at the back, not conceding more than a goal per game on average. So yeah, that, that's that that's if you were to look at it, that's a massive differential different differential from one season to another. Mm. And okay, they shouldn't be on one point. I think we all accept that, but they shouldn't they shouldn't be you know. They deserve to be down there. Whereas so that's been the relegation zone, yeah. Yeah, and but then you look at teams like Burnley, who are seventeenth, Fulham are eighteenth, and West Brom are nineteenth, and you go, okay, you look at those teams and go, okay, we've got a chance of staying up here, but how do we, how do what's more chance of doing that? And if you ask West Brom, they'll probably say we'll get Allardyce in. Uh, mm. I think if you're Fulham or you're Burnley, you might say we're going to stick with our managers and we're going to try and use the squad we've got because we believe it's good enough. And uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see at the end of the season which style works. I, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see Allardyce in a job because it's 2020, not 2014. So I wonder to see if his, if he'll keep up with the times of this new, you know, this new different way because the Premier League's changed a lot uh, in the last four or five years. So I want, I want to see if he can, you know, still be uh, astute enough to keep a team like West Brom up. Because West Brom are actually bottom of expected points, and mm. they are, um, they are, yeah, they are, they are struggling. I think the one player they've got is Conor Gallagher, but other than yeah, that, maybe but he's Mateus, on loan, isn't he? Maybe yeah. Mateus Pereira, but other than that, it looks like a very championship kind of squad. Yeah, yeah, they they, they didn't invest enough in trying to stay up. I think I think it was one of those where they might have honestly been looking at it and thinking, do we want to give Slavin Bilic? significant amounts of money to spend or do we think we're going to sack him at some point yeah. and obviously they've sacked him and they've got Allardyce in who 
I mean, as you said, it'll be really interesting because he's always been able to do the job. But, you know, I, I'd love to see him go down. I can't stand the man. <laughs> so would I, actually. As, as a Bolton fan, he's like, oh, I, oh, you know loads about him. Yeah, but he's also a bit of a dick. Like, the England thing was a massive, you know, fuck you to a lot of England fans. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, I'd love to see him go down. And, yeah, I, I think relegation battles are often really entertaining. Like, last year was sick. Like, um going into the final game where all the teams are winning and it ends up being Villa go up because of the Sheffield United game where the, the guy was in the net but they had a, they, they changed it so it was you know the, people say the machine wasn't turned on but it didn't, it didn't go over the line yeah yeah that ended up just, just deciding Villa's fate it did it so did in the end yeah if you're you know we all, we, we, we're a sucker for this to talk about the top six too much but you know enjoy the relegation battle because it probably means more than a lot of the top six stuff does. Of course it does. So these sides, it's huge. That extra revenue, you know, playing in the Premier League, massive for their for their future. So, you know, if you think you've got problems, it could be worse. Yeah. Could it, be a lot worse. It could be worse. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I mean. Some of these sides like Bolton, they just disappear down down the sort of, you know, the leagues yeah. and you don't see them again. But they're shows. on the way back. We're on Ian Everett, boy. Um, Ian Everett's army. Ian Everett's army. Anyway, we'll go to the predictions. The issue is, this week we don't have a guest. So we don't have a guest. Here's an idea. If neither me or Harry get it right, we'll give a point to the guest. Ooh, I like that. So, if yeah, that's what we'll do. I like that. Okay. Uh, so I'm on board with that idea. Which would be more points than you want it to be, if you're me or Harry, looking at previous ones. So, first game is Liverpool v Crystal Palace on BT Sports. Saturday 12.30. Enjoy that, Jürgen. Um, so, Klopp will be delighted about that, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, he, looks at the, he looks at the schedule and goes, oh, oh not again. Oh, boom. No. Um, I, I just want them to lose and into Des Kelly after the game. To yes. Three players go off injured. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, that was. Um, but anyway, uh, I think Liverpool win. Yeah, so do I. Although Crystal Palace have a knack, like they, they have this really good record against um, Man City, if I remember. Uh, speaking of Man City, Southampton v Man City on Amazon Prime Video. And I don't know Ooh. this one because I feel like Southampton look really good against Man- uh, Arsenal, and they look really good this season. And I can see them beating Man City. Okay. So Hampton were good for a half. Um and then obviously there was the red card, so it's kinda of, it's kinda of hard to judge what would have happened had that not happened. Um I quite like, I liked Arsenal's goal. I thought Eddie and Ketia it showed it was well have, worked. If you have a guy in the ten, it's it's a nice guy for to bounce off from Batman. He dropped in well, it was really good from Saka as well. It's just a really good run. People yeah. hacking at him. That, 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 that's what you want. You want players taking responsibility, and we don't have enough of that. Um so yeah, as I said, they were good in the first half. The second half, they were a bit passive until we scored, and then sort of you know. And it, I'm not going to say like we would have gone on to win the game, but when you get a red card, it obviously makes it far easier for them to farm possession and basically be the only team with the possibility to win the game. Um, I think that Man City will win just because they didn't beat West Brom. Yeah, I don't know how it cost my FPL so much. Yeah, I had a shit week again. Uh, <laughs> Everton v Arsenal. 
I think this is going to be an interesting game. I think this is going to be an Everton win. Yeah, I thought you might say that. It's one of those because the form book would say Everton, but I don't think their midfield's very good, as you keep saying. So if there is anyone we can play against, you know, there's no reason we can't, if we get in front, beat them. Because I actually think player for player, you know, they're, they're doing well at the moment. Carlo Ancelotti's a good manager, right? There's no doubting that. But... You know, would I, would I massively overhaul our squad for theirs? I'm not. I'm not convinced. I think they've got some good players. I think that I, think the, I actually think the age profile of their midfield thirty is horrific. How much, how yeah, that's what I mean. Twenty nine. Yeah. So I just, it's annoying. If we had obviously Gabriel is going to be suspended. Um, if we had Party in there, I'd feel a lot better about it because I think he would just take control of the midfield. But without him, it's going to be difficult. I'm going to say Desmond. Fair enough. Uh, Newcastle, we follow them. Uh, they love doing the 8 o'clock who's, on a Saturday. Who, who's showing that one? Uh, Sky Sports, but it's the 8 o'clock on a Saturday, and they love doing a shitter at that time. Um, yeah, well, it could be worse. Could be the uh, 7.15 Sunday again. Um, I, I've, got, I, I've got a feeling I've predicted Fulham to lose every single one of these. <laughs> I'm going to give Fulham a win. I like Fulham. I um, like Scott Parker. I like what he's doing. Uh, Newcastle's a win, and... Callum Wilson to score. Um, Brighton beat Sheffield United. Brighton beat Sheffield United. Brighton. I mean, you've got to say it, Brighton, but, haven't you? But if there's any yeah. team to not beat Sheffield United, it's probably Brighton right now. Even if I need played, Sheffield United to get a result, mate. Brighton are sort of like 16th place rivals. They are. Uh, Spurs v Leicester. Ooh. Um, um, Leicester looked really poor. I was not impressed with Leicester whatsoever. Against uh, Everton. Yeah, they were wait. Yeah, Madison had a nightmare of a game. I didn't see it obviously because I was watching the Arsenal game, but um, it sounded like they were just pretty lack. Like Leicester do. As I keep saying this, every time you think they're onto something, throwing a really poor performance in. They there. do, and it's really, it's really annoying. As someone that likes them, mm. but I will go for a Leicester. Uh, no, I'll go for a draw. Draw seems like a sensible thing. I think... I really don't want to do this, but I think Spurs will beat them. Ooh. So that means Leicester have lost three in a row, then. That's, that's... No, they beat Brighton, didn't they? Oh, yeah, no, they did. Shit, sorry. Um, still in shit form. Man United v Leeds. This will be an absolute... It'd be a really good game. game. 4.30 really on game. Sunday. I'd recommend yeah, everyone that'll to watch it. That'll be a cracker. You sort of wish there were fans there for that one, actually. Yeah, be great. Be really good. And it's a great. Matchup. I think it's yeah. I think it's a really good matchup because Man United, as you said, are good in transition, but they're not always good in trans. Like they can be quite sloppy in possession. So they've got good ball carriers and, and, and some good passers. <laughs> but did I cut out? No, you won't. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say Man United. Yeah, they're good in transition, but they can be a bit sloppy in possession. Like, I don't think all their players are press resistant. And obviously Leeds will Leeds only know one way of playing. They're going to go there and press them high up the pitch, go man to man. And I think that there's going to be goals. Three all draw. Oh, see, I've Leeds had this knack of the, so the, I think the second bottom unexpected goals against, as in they've had the second most. But mm. then they've only taken the fourth most shots, which just represents how, when the team gets a shot against Leeds, it's a really high quality. And I just think that'll play into Man United perfectly, and I think Man United will win. But Man United are at home. So, <laughs> if there's one team you don't want to be mm. at home for, it's probably Man 
Man United. But yeah, no, yeah. I'll go Man United win. Okay. Uh, West Brom v Villa. Midlands derby. Um, which is good to mm. see, finally. Uh, Villa. But Allardyce is in charge. Draw. Villa aren't going to win. Villa yes, aren't going to And I'll tell you why they're not going to win. Since I've put three Villa players into my fantasy team... They've been shit. They've won, they've won one... <laughs> Actually, you know, they beat Wolves, but I don't care because it wasn't one of those players that scored. There's one other game they won, and it happened to be against Arsenal. <laughs> it's just so typical. So it's just ridiculous. I flooded my team with Villa players thinking, God, they've got some good fixtures till Christmas. And they just, you know, they don't perform. I don't know what's going on. So. Yeah, but I still think they'll beat. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Allardyce, shithouse. Oh, we've got to organise a bit of a bounce. Everyone talks about how they've got to bounce after the new manager comes mm. in. Uh, yeah. Burnley v Wolves. God, I don't have this. I would not recommend watching this. This seems boring as hell. Yeah, it will be. Uh, draw, because I think both teams are quite shit this year. Um, yeah, Wolves weren't very good against Chelsea, but they got a win. Yeah, I, I don't that. really know how. Yeah. No, I didn't really know. It was a weird game. It, it Almost nothing happened, if you want the truth. Really yeah. good goals, though, from Wolves. I mean, Neto and uh, Pedence look really good players, actually, I have to say. Um, Pedence uh, is a little like a football player. I, watching him around, I think he should be, you know. I know, but he's good on the ball, mate. He scored a couple of good goals against us, against Chelsea. I, I do like him. Um, I'm going to say a draw. Yeah. This is good because we're, we're doing the same thing to the, to the guests. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Chelsea v West Ham. Hmm. Are West Ham in the top top half? They are, aren't they? Yeah, they drew, didn't they, to Palace? So that, so that, they'll, that, they'll be up there. They'll be like fifth or sixth. So right. that's right. Chelsea off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wolves win. Wow. Uh, no, West Ham win because yeah, I've, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of evidence to work off here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. I think Chelsea will win. Ooh. I think they'll break that hoodoo. I I, I just think that. They've got to click into form at did some point. The, They've been a bit underwhelming. Did you see the Seb Haller over, over there kick goal? It's a great goal. Oh. Absolute corker. You can tell it's good because the way he flicks his legs. Oh, he can't score up. the easy ones, but he give him one of those and he's going to bury it. Yeah, no, I I do love an overhead. When, when you nail an overhead kick, I think it looks amazing. Something satisfying about it, isn't there? So, yes. Bit of a shorter episode this week. I couldn't find any news because there's only enough. There's only enough. There's only there's not enough crazy people do crazy shit. Nah, yeah. Uh, We've done two in a week. I mean, don't be greedy, guys, you know? Yeah, bloody hell. What did uh, you expect from sorry, us? Sorry, I should have said the scores from last week. So, Harry had a crack of a week after I gave him the uh, the Tottenham Crystal Palace game. Yeah, because so, I got it right. Uh, so, I'm on 23, Harry's on 26, and then the guest, Ali, got one. He's on, uh, <laughs> on 18. So, yeah. Ali, mate, that's it's your a, last performance on the podcast, I think. Uh, yeah, well, so, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you all next time. Mm-hmm.